Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. John chapter 1 and verse 35, and we're going to move around quite a bit this morning, so get your running shoes on, put on your spiritual sneakers so we can uh, move. Verse 35. Again, the next day, John. Now, John the Baptist's mother was Elizabeth. She was barren, and the Bible says that she was advanced in age. And by the way, when the Bible calls you old, you're old. And and it was a real polite way of of saying that. His father was a priest named Zechariah. We all know the story. His, His birth was announced while he was serving in the temple by an angel. On top of that, John the Baptist. His life was prophesied both in Isaiah and Malachi. So if anyone ever had a a reason to feel important, it was John the Baptist. In fact, Luke 1 and 80 tells us a little bit more about John the Baptist here. It says, so the child grew. You know, even people with the greatest destinies need to be allowed space and time to grow. You know, the two most important days in in your life are the days you were born, but also the day that you accept the reason why. And John had to grow into a revelation of of what he was created to do and and why he was on the planet. But watch the next uh, clause here. And he became strong in spirit. Now, some people come into the world naturally stronger than others. But be encouraged because according to this scripture, John didn't come out that way. He became, meaning it took time in order for John to become as strong as God needed him to be. So don't be worried about growing slowly. Be worried about not growing at all. All right, y'all with me this morning. Let me know you're in the room. And he was in the desert, which was a dry place. It was a place of hard soil. It was a place of stones. Uh, It was a place of little life. The deserts tended to be desolate. And he was in this hard place till, meaning he had a purpose in the hard place. God has a purpose in your hard place. Till the day of his manifestation, God wouldn't let him go until he was ready to Israel. So God sometimes intentionally places us in hard places because he knows the strength that we're going to need in our futures. You see, boot camp, now I'm not military or anything, but I hear from you guys and I watch the movies, okay? (laughs) Boot camp is hard, not because the drill instructor hates you, but he knows you're going to face war. So God knows it's uncomfortable right now, but he he placed today's struggle in your life because he's developing you for tomorrow. And right now it might not make sense, but tomorrow it will. So if you're in a hard place, don't quit, don't run, go through it because it's preparation for things to come. Again, I know it doesn't feel like that. And I know you're like, I would like to leave right now, but I'm telling you the truth. And you need to hear God's word. John 1 and 35. Let's get back. 
So the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Now, we know from the Bible that Jesus uh, leaped in the belly of Mary when, um, I'm sorry, John leaped in the belly of Elizabeth when Mary came into the presence, Mary with Jesus came into their presence. So both women were present at the same time, were pregnant at the same time. So we know that John was just a, a few months older than Jesus. But also John was famous before Jesus. We see in this verse, he also had disciples before Jesus. And people came from all walks of life to, to make pilgrimages to the desert to hear John the Baptist speak and be baptized by him. John actually became a living legend. Even the king wanted to hear uh, from John. I mean, he was a very powerful, crowds came, very powerful uh, figure. Verse 36, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said this, behold, so he paused, the Lamb of God. Now, John was a rock star in his own right. John had the largest spiritual platform in the country at that time. But John was secure enough to recognize the greatness of someone else. You see, secure people can celebrate the gifts of others without questioning their own. And part of the reason you're in the desert is to get you secure. So you don't need people, you don't need things. Your security comes from God. So when hard decisions come, you can make the right choices. 37. The two disciples of John here heard John speak. And some people won't celebrate other people because they're afraid they're going to lose their followers. But John was secure. Then two of the disciples heard him speak. Now, later we'll learn one of their names, but most historians think that the other disciple was the writer of this gospel. There's a lot of Johns here, but John, uh, the, the beloved. So we have John the Baptist and John the beloved who wrote the book of John. And they followed Jesus. I'm sorry. Yeah, they follow who? Jesus. Now, who did they follow originally? The Baptist. Okay. Did you know that the disciples were first Baptists? Y'all lost. Yeah, okay, you missed that. Okay, yeah, I can't help you with that if you missed that. But Jesus' first disciples were Baptists, good Baptists. Okay, now you're getting it. Y'all need some coffee this morning. 38. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? And Jesus continues to ask us the same question today. What do you want? The secret to getting what you want is knowing what you want. And here's the question. Do you really want to know God? Or are you just kind of a Christmas and Easter curious? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, teacher, where are you staying? So the first step to receiving an answer from God is having the courage to ask for it. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. 
But you got to be clear with God about what you really want. So they asked the question, and Jesus answered, yes, and amen. Come and see. And they came. So Jesus invited them, but if they didn't come, they would have never known what they're about to learn. And saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now, texts and emails and FaceTime live streaming, that's all great stuff, and I appreciate it all, but there's no substitute for being there. And spending time with Jesus is never time wasted. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, at first we saw that he was just called one of two disciples. He was nameless. But we see that when you start spending time with Jesus, it won't be long before God starts telling people your name. So he first went out and found his brother Simon or Simon Peter. We also see here that when we really spend time with Jesus, we can't help but tell the people we love about the one we just met. And said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. 99.9% of those who come to Jesus came because someone had the courage to invite him. Someone had the courage to bring them. You hear what I'm saying? And here's the deal. If we don't do our part to bring them, it's going to be partly our fault they don't come. Being a churchgoer is good, but being a soul winner is everything. And Philip started out as a soul winner. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. Some translations say the son of John. But what I want you to see here is Jesus not only saw Simon, he also saw Simon's people. And by the way, when God saves you, he expects to impact everyone in your life circle, everyone that's been involved in a part of your, your, your life. God knows who you are. And he also knows where you come from. He knows every part of your story, but creates a new future for you anyway. He's just that type of God. And then he looks at uh, uh, a Simon here, and he says, you shall be. I know who you are. I know who you've been with. But I want to talk to you about who you shall or what you shall be. And what I find with God is he doesn't have to consult our past to plan our future. With God, what you have been and what has been is not necessarily an indication of what will be. He looked at Peter with those Middle Eastern strong eyes. He said, you shall be. And when Jesus looked at you, you've been looked at. So when Jesus was speaking, Peter's heart was penetrated. And Jesus spoke not just of Peter's present or his past, but he began to release his future. And our futures are locked up and tied, tangled up in this person called Jesus. 
And if we don't spend time with him, we will miss our futures. But because he came, Jesus looked him in the face. He said, you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone or Peter. Now, everything that Peter would become, everything we know about Peter in this Bible came from this one afternoon that he spent with Jesus. It's the little moments that create the big moments. It's the little things that begin to create the big things. And we have to learn to trust the process. Many people think that Peter just one day showed up in the book of Acts and preached that great sermon and became the great leader in the church. But that is not the story in the Bible. And what I want to say to you, just like Peter had to go through process in order to get to where he's going, each of us are going to have to go through process to get to where we're, we're going. Stay with me. Matthew 4 and 18, Jesus starts working on Peter's shall be. He said, you shall be called. See, you, you ain't there yet, but you shall be. You're going to get there where, where I'm going to give you a name and you're going to live up to that name and that name's going to match. So Jesus is working on the shall be. You see, right now, where you, God's not working on where you are. And you're like, God, fix where I am. He's like, God, I'm working on the shall be. You hear what I'm saying? I, I, I'm bigger than where you are at the moment. I have a plan for your future. And, and let me be God and work out your shall be. But if I let you be comfortable right now, you're not going to get the shall be. If I make everything the way you want it right now, you'll never get to the ultimate shall be. But here's the problem. A lot of y'all so concerned about right now, you're giving up your future and your shall be. Verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter. So he's, he's now got that name. And Andrew, his brother, same guy. So what I want you to see here is it's a process. This encounter is being built or was built on the previous encounter. Few things in life are instant. Most require time and a process. And these two men were casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. They had jobs. They didn't start out in the ministry. You hear what I'm saying? They, 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 they lived and they, they had wives and, and, and children and all the rest. They were fishermen. They had business. And, and then he said to them, now at first glance, if, if you don't know the rest of the Bible, it looks like Jesus had instant success with these guys. But we, we learned from John that Jesus had been working on them for, for, for some time now. It, it, here's what I learned. It usually takes some years for a person to become an overnight success. Now, now everybody wants, you know, what, what you get at the end, but, but they don't want to put in the time it took to get there. And then Jesus looked at them and he said, follow me and make me great. No. no that's not what good leaders ask. And I don't go to church, I don't attend places where I feel like I'm, I'm a simply a means to an end. That the, that the pastor wants to use me to increase his number to somehow make him great. That's not the way Jesus operates, it's not the way we should. In fact, even as I raise my children, it's like, y'all are not little bishops. Your job is not to make me great. Your job is not to protect my reputation. 
My job is to be your daddy and do whatever it takes to make you great. You understand what I'm saying? So I let my kids go through process. Y'all criticized me a little bit along the way, but I let them grow. I let them make mistakes. I let them go places you might have disagreed with. I let them put things in their ears that you might not have liked. But my children had to go through their process. They had to learn their way. And as far as I'm concerned, they're not there for me. I'm there for them. Follow me. And here's the promise. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. And I will make you. Jesus' only interest is making you into the best possible you you can be. But the making begins with following. But the making begins with following. But the making begins with following. People are so fragile today. Their whole lives are, are, are held together by motivational paper mache. Feel good masking tape. But when you let God make you, no human can break you. And God was in the business and is in the business of making real men and women that can handle the vicissitudes of life, that can handle challenges, the ups and the downs. Follow and I will make you. Matthew 16, 21. But the process continues. And the making often requires some breaking. So let's watch Peter's journey. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, that's the religious folk, and be killed and be raised on the third day. And Jesus is about to pull Jesus aside. And, I'm sorry, and Peter was about to pull Jesus aside and be like, you know, you're my God, Jesus, and everything, and, and, and I love you. And, and, you know, that healing the sick stuff, I really, really, man, that's something. You know, that, that multiplying loaves and fishes, that is something else. You know, and I love that walking on water thing that you do. I really, 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 really like that. But what's all this sacrifice stuff? What's this talking about pain? Jesus, you're supposed to be motivational. Jesus, you're supposed to speak to pain, not cause pain. But I like what John Maxwell said. He said, if your vision doesn't cost you something, it's just a daydream. Everything worth having costs somebody something. You know, we're sitting here lifting holy hands, experiencing the presence of God. That cost Jesus his life. The building we're in costs other people in order to build it. The building we're moving in costs y'all. Every generation is built upon the life. It costs somebody something. Even the freedoms and, or the lack of freedom, whatever you want to call it we face in this country is built on the suffering and the sacrifice of those who came before. Then Peter took him to the side and began to rebuke Jesus. How many of y'all know that's not a good start? So, Use the term rebuke. So, so, so this lets you know Peter was being aggressive. This was not a gentle, you know, rejoinder, if you will. 
Peter got an attitude and got upset with Jesus. How many of y'all ever been upset with Jesus? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Okay, thank you. And he said, far be it from you. In other words, come on, Jesus. You know God always wants us to be comfortable. Jesus, you know God always wants us to be happy. But Jesus understood that some of the greatest things in our lives will always exist at the very end of our comfort zone. And he said, Lord, he's appealing to the human part of Jesus. I don't want to go to the cross. Certainly Jesus as a human, unless, you know, I, I know some folks in, in the pain. I'm not in the pain. And Jesus wasn't into, you know, just nail me up there because I like to hurt. That was the, his everything in his humanity said, I don't want to do that. So Peter is now appealing to the human side or the weakest side, if you want to call it that, of, of Jesus. He said, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Come on, Jesus. Everything's going well. Look at the crowds. Look at the following we have. Don't start turning your message into sacrifice and pain. Don't do that, Jesus. You're going to turn people off. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure about it. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me. Satan. How many of you have some friends like Peter who act like the devil sometimes? Maybe you are that friend. Okay. But watch this. Watch this. Jesus said, you are. This, this is his boy. I mean, they, they spend all their time together. Jesus is training him and mentoring him. and They eat meals together. This is not a guy, you know, he just bumped into at the grocery store. They, they are are traveling together. I mean, they have relationship. But Jesus said, you are an offense to me. Meaning Peter offended Jesus. But offense is an event. Being offended is a choice. Watch how Jesus handled his offense. He addressed it. There's no magic formula to dealing with conflict. I wish I could just rub a, a lamp somewhere and just make all conflict go away. But nothing succeeds like address. We will never change the things we refuse to confront. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you today and learn from Jesus. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.